Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast. I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, broadcasting once again deep behind enemy lines from Mexico on a Saturday evening, afternoon. I don't know. It's early early evening, late afternoon, something like that. Didn't have time to do the, the Friday episode. It was just you know, the, the days when we do the Friday night happy hour, it's kind of a tight window for me to get something done. And I had a um, an unexpected house guest in the form of a little pooch. Well, he's not that little, actually. He weighs probably like 40 or 50 pounds. <laughs> uh, I'm doing some dog sitting this weekend for a friend of mine while they're out of town. And uh, yeah, so had a, had a good time at the happy hour, though. Thank you all for those of you who attended. We were missing a few of our regulars, but that's okay. We still had a good time. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's all that's been going on over here. I do apologize if you start to hear some really loud, obnoxious women. Those would be the renters next door to me. As I've mentioned, there is a lot of, a lot of people vacationing here. This is the, the, the Mexican summer vacation, like peak season. So everybody's coming over from Guadalajara and Mexico City and various uh, places from like central um, Mexico that are nearby. And I have some really loud renters next to me that are just sort of driving me crazy. <laughs> they are, uh, I, I think last night they had, they were singing, they had like a karaoke party or something, which, you know, it's fine when they're, um, you know, you're having fun or whatever. And, but they like they get really loud and obnoxious at odd times, like in the afternoon or I think, you know, I, I, got, I got woken up by them at about like four o'clock this morning. And the security guard actually came up from the basement, I think, to yell at them. I don't know. I couldn't really understand what was going on. But, uh, you know, I was hearing voices and they were in Spanish. But I'm, I'm imagining since they were being loud and obnoxious at four o'clock in the morning that they got into some trouble. So <laughs> I will uh, hopefully that the mic won't pick them up. But they're uh, they're at it again here. Anyway, there's a lot of little stories that have, have been popping up in my, my feeds and on the, the, the sites I usually peruse and everything like that. And uh, I, I was doing a lot of perusing of the interwebs uh, early this morning and this afternoon. And so there's there's kind of a lot that I thought I'd like to talk about on today's show. I don't know how much I'll be able to get to. Um, I, I'm just looking at this, uh, this new Cleveland Indians. Oh. The, the Cleveland Indians have changed their name, apparently. They are no longer going to be the Indians after uh, more than 100 years. They are going to be the Cleveland Guardians. 
you know, because Indians is offensive and we can't offend anybody in this woke day and age now, can we? I, you know, I really think I'm just done with sports, with like watching sports. I haven't watched much uh, of any sport really over the last year or so, like probably since before COVID started. I just kind of lost interest in it. But then, you know, once you're in an environment when you can just go do stuff like whenever you want, sitting indoors and watching sports just doesn't have much of an appeal. In Chicago, it was very appealing because Chicago sucks and it's miserable and cold nine months out of the year. And so, yeah, you you go to a friend's house, you go to a bar, you sit there and you watch baseball, you watch football. Um, your, your life is literally just like from one season to the next, like one sports season to the next, you know, hockey. And, um, and, and that really has like a, a grip on a lot of people's lives. And Man, it is kind of liberating to just sort of let it go and to not care and, and not get caught up and so like emotional over all of these meaningless games that have no effect on your life whatsoever. Uh, I mean, the people that like these super fans and get all dressed up and they wear this weird shit and they go to all these games and it's like they're their entire life revolves around whether or not their team wins the game. It's really just pathetic, and man, what a what a sad existence to have, and uh, to be offended by a team's name or their mascot is just the height of. I have nothing better to do with my life than get offended by something that's not not offensive, and, and it's just a stupid sports game. Like, just ignore it. Just don't. I mean, it, it's fucking Cleveland. Who cares? The mistake by the lake. Um, why, why would anybody give a shit what they call their team? I mean, how many Native Americans are actually, uh, Cleveland India, like baseball fans, first of all. Um, and how, I, I always wonder how many Indians are actually offended by this, you know, it, it, because it always just seems to be these like woke social, ju- social justice warrior types that are fighting these battles on the behalf of all of the downtrodden of society. Anyway, you know, I always thought it was kind of cool. Uh, you know, most of the Indian na- team names are always like military, you know, the Apaches or something like that. And, it, you know, it's like sort of like a badass, uh, badass name that's almost like uh, paying homage to how how tough the, the Indians were and how, how how they were good fighters and everything. Like, I, I don't know why I, people would be offended by that. Now, I don't understand how... Um, Indians is offensive. I guess the, the, it was the mascot that was offensive or something because it was like a caricature of an Indian. I don't know. And then they do the chant thing that, that you're not supposed to do. <laughs> so now they're the guardians. Anyway, uh, that'll solve everything. Just like the, the Redskins, they changed their name to the Washington football team last year. They just do everything like that. Just give it a generic bullshit name that just like describes exactly what it is. Why aren't they the Cleveland baseball team? Why why do we have mascots and uh, different team names and everything like that? If if it's going to offend one person, why don't we just give them descriptive name like a, a, a sentence? to describe the team name and they can just write that. I mean, this guardian, they're using the exact same lettering as the guardians and what's going to happen to all of the, the now vintage Indian gear. 
all the Cleveland Indians. None of that's going away. Everybody already has it. Thousands and thousands of people already have this stuff. So they're still going to be wearing it around. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It, this is like when they changed the name of buildings and, you know, the, the, the Sears Tower is the Willis Tower. Nobody fucking calls it the Willis Tower. It will forever and always be the Sears Tower because that's what it was. And it doesn't matter how many. Uh, the same thing with like uh, Comiskey. Bring it back to sports. Uh, it's not. Nobody calls it. No White Sox fans call it U.S. Cellular Field. We call it Comiskey. <laughs> or, or Sox Park, maybe. Um, th- this is all just uh, like meaningless, empty gestures, again, which is very emblematic of the times we live in. Um, but anyway, the, the Cleveland Indians are now the Cleveland Guardians. I don't know what they're guarding. Um, nobody wants to go to Cleveland. Nobody wants to be a part of Cleveland. Like I said, it's the mistake by the lake. <laughs> I do know a couple people from Cleveland, so. Um, but believe it or not, guess where they are? Not in Cleveland. They are in Chicago. It's like all of these people from Ohio moved to Chicago because as bad as Chicago is, it is an upgrade over Cleveland. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I- I'm sure this will solve everything. That empty void in your life that was just being exacerbated by the offensive baseball team name and mascot from the the, the sport that you don't really care about, that you never really pay attention to or watch or cheer on or anything like that, that empty void will now be filled because it's no longer the Indians. They are the Guardians, and they aren't the Redskins anymore. They're just a generic football team from Washington, and you don't have to worry about some offensive syrup bottle or anything like that. We're really solving the world's problems here, one at a time, just... One by one, making the world just a, a better place for everybody involved. And while these I- idiots just fucking focus on the, these meaningless issues that nobody really cares about. First of all, this this is not going to solve anything, by the way. Uh, just stop. Like I, 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 Every time something like this happens, I, I make this point. Just stop capitulating. Because pretty soon Guardians is going to be offensive because, like, guards were mean to people, you know. Uh, they, were, they had guards of slaves. Oh, Guardians? Are you kidding me? You know what the Guardians used to do? The Guardians of the Plantations used to do to black people? They would whip them. They would hunt them down when they tried to escape and bring them back. They're Guardians. The Guardians of Auschwitz? I mean, man, I don't know about this new name. But there's, there's never going to be any satiating these people. They're just going to keep going. That's, that's what they do. They, they get off on this shit. So just stop. Just put your foot down and tell them to go fuck themselves. That's how you handle obnoxious, small, petty people with nothing going for them and nothing better to do with their time. You tell them to fuck off. And they can write you letters, they can complain, they can call in, they can cry until their heart's content. But just don't give in. Don't give in. They'll lose interest. They'll move on to the next target. They want the low-hanging fruit. That, that's what they're going for. These people, are, they're not tough people. 
If they were tough, they wouldn't be offended by these meaningless team names and syrup bottles and everything like that. And if they had anything else better to do with their time, if they wanted to accomplish something of actual merit, they would challenge themselves and they would go after something that is uh, difficult to obtain and achieve, not um, going after low-hanging fruit of getting a, a team to change their name or getting somebody to virtue signal about how they're not racist or whatever. Um, so yeah, just just tell them to fuck off. Every once in a while, you'd be surprised what a good fuck off will accomplish for you. Yeah, just fuck off. I'm not, I'm not going to give you the time of day. <laughs> anyway, speaking of telling people to fuck off, how about CNN? Um, CNN wants the uh, segregate wants to segregate the unvaccinated people and make them pay for tests every day. If you're going to refuse to take a vaccine for a disease, uh, a virus that um, has a over like a 99% survival rate. Um, as you guys may or may not know, I am almost positive that I just recovered from COVID. I don't know if it was the dreaded Delta variant or not, but I had a, a real, oh my God, it was just, you know, after having, uh, after I think maybe the second time of having COVID, I don't know for sure either one was actually COVID, but I'm pretty sure this last one was because the the person I think uh, gave it to me lost their sense of smell um, for for about two weeks. So um, I I think it's pretty safe to say that I had the COVIDs. And, um, you know, after having it, all of this stuff just makes complete sense to me now. Uh, the lockdowns, the masks, the social distancing, the shutting down of society, the not letting you you see your loved ones or do anything that brings you joy. It all makes perfect sense because, you know, for three days, I had a minor fever and some achy joints. Oh, I coughed a couple times, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was brutal, man. It was brutal. It was almost as bad as like every other time that I've had, uh, I've been sick. <laughs> I am being facetious, of course. It was like a mild case of the flu. And I don't care if you're not supposed to fucking compare it to that. That's what it felt like. In fact, um, I've, I, I was thinking about every other time I was sick, like growing up as a kid when I would get strep throat and things like that, and ear infections, they were all like a million times worse than the this last bout I had with COVID. It really, really, really um, just, I already knew that this stuff was all fucking ridiculous, but it, this is just like, once you get it, and you're just like, that's what this was all about? It really puts things in perspective. Now, granted, I am not in the in the the most vulnerable group for this, obviously, but that that's sort of the point. That's exactly the point, actually. Uh, young, healthy people without underlying conditions do not need to really worry about this. I mean, if you want to go get vaccinated, go ahead. But to to say that. Um, you know, we have to force people to get vaccines. And if, if they don't want to get vaccines, if they want to go um, to a grocery store or they want to go to work or something like that, they have to get tested every day. You know, the um, 
but the, the friend of mine who gave me the COVID, they're Canadian. And so they had to go back to Canada. Now, Canada, regardless of whether or not you've had COVID, uh, th- this is how it works going back to Canada, all right? This is how fucking insane some countries have gotten. If you thought the U.S. was bad, look to our neighbors to the north, these colossal pussy Canadians, okay? Um, if you want to fly directly into Canada from another country, if you're flying like from Mexico right into Canada, um, you have to first get... Um, a, a negative COVID test, but it has to be, it can't be the um, rapid test. It has to be the PCR, which coincidentally, the inventor of the PCR test said that sh- it should never be used for diagnostics. But that aside, so you, you just like the US, you have to get a, a negative test within uh, 72 hours of flying. But the U.S. will accept the um, rapid test. You don't have to spring for the, the PCR, which is uh, like three times the price. And it takes longer to get results and everything like that. But if you want to fly directly into Canada, you can do that. But they force you, the government forces you to stay in a hotel for two weeks at your own cost. And they get to des- they've designated these hotels and i i oh god i can't i can't remember if she said it was $300 a day or $300 a week um $300 a day seems like too much 300 a week seems like too little so um i don't remember exactly what the cost was but it seemed like pretty expensive and they make you um they send you food in because you're not allowed to leave and they send in government officials to check on you and if you're not in your hotel room they fine you uh, five or ten thousand dollars or something like that, and they threaten you with jail time. Um, now, if you want to avoid being imprisoned in a hotel, um, <laughs> you can fly to Buffalo in the U.S. and you can cross the the border on the ground. All of the same rules still apply in terms of needing the the PCR test and everything like that. They've just added another fucking hassle for you to to get across the border. And once you do that, you can you can, you don't have to stay in a hotel when you get into Canada, but you do have to quarantine for two weeks in your house. And they still will send government agents to come check on you and make sure you are home. And if you are not home, the same fines apply. That is fucking Canada. Why would anyone go back to that country after getting out of there? It's beyond me. But anyway, uh, we have the same type of fucking psychopaths here in the U.S. And CNN has been parading them constantly. It's like... um, you know, it used to just be like the Donald Trump is bad network. You know, when I was a kid, it was the Clinton News Network, CNN, and then it was like we're just gonna bash Donald Trump for twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and now it's just like we're the vaccine network, and we're just gonna tell you, um, we're gonna you know tell you how everybody needs to get vaccinated, and we're gonna talk about what sort of punishments we can give people that are not obeying. Are, are, you know, that don't want to um, follow all of the rules that we at CNN have decided should exist. And I've noticed that they have their uh, 
their ticker on the on the side of the screen now that is back i don't know when that made it back but you know the new death seven day average is at 246 it's down seven percent from a week ago fully vaccinated 48.8 percent you know they got the all, all these new pandemic statistics that they're they're floating out there constantly and they keep bringing on this asian lady dr liana wen and she's the one who uh, called for vaccine passports and to everybody wear masks forever. And th- they keep bringing her on. She's, uh, you know, she's the I think she was the carrot and the stick lady. And I, what are we going to do? You know, we have to act really quickly now to get as many people vaccinated as possible while we can still fucking, you know, force them to and scare them into doing it. Because once they realize that they don't have to get vaccinated, it'll be too late. That is uh, Dr. Leanna Wen. And what is she a doctor of? I don't know. Doesn't matter. But yeah, Wen was the one who suggested that life should be essentially made as difficult as possible for those who don't want to get vaccinated. They want us, she wants us banned from social events. Uh, we, we shouldn't be able to go shopping or go to concerts or anything like that. And we should be, we should be forced to get the PCR test at least twice a week if we want to stay unvaccinated. These are the, these are the people that are fucking sick. Okay, these are sick, demented individuals that that think that uh, people's freedoms should be tied to their vaccination status. But it gets worse than her. They had uh, what's his name, Andy Slavidon, who was like the White House senior COVID nineteen advisor, former uh, apparently, according to this. He thinks that unvaccinated workers and students need to take tests daily and cover the cost themselves. All of a sudden, this this free thing. No, 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 no. We can't have free tests. You have to pay for it. it you know, it, it's so crazy. You know, students, have, you know, they want free college for students unless maybe you're vaccinated, you're unvaccinated. Then maybe you have to pay for college because, you know, fuck you if you don't want to get this vaccine. And it's like, but right now they they still want you to get the free education, but they want you to cover the cost of your tests and everything so that you can uh, prove to them that you're you're not going to infect anybody with this dangerous, dangerous disease that's just ravaging through all of the universities, you know. <laughs> I mean, if there's anybody that's not at risk for COVID, it's people in fucking college. But, um, and then younger kid, like younger students. And, you know, a, a friend of mine, dear, dear, dear friend of the show, was concerned that I haven't been vaccinated and that the Delta variant is infecting younger people. Okay whatever. I, I still consider myself a younger person. Maybe I've been infected with the Delta variant. And as I told her, it doesn't really matter to me if younger people are getting infected because younger people are going to get infected. Or whether or not they have the vaccine, the person who gave me COVID-19 was vaccinated, had been vaccinated. Um, and and they had worse, they got it worse than I did. So go figure. I mean, this is all just a bunch of nonsense. But, you know, th- this this um, storyline that CNN is coming up with, that the, the new Delta variant is, is more infectious and it's coming after the young people now, just seems a, a little too convenient for me. A little too convenient considering it, you know, right about the time when this vaccine hysteria 
died down a little bit. You know, everybody who was really looking forward to the vaccine had gotten vaccinated and the numbers started to level off and they're not going to hit their target. Now, all of a sudden, there's a Delta variant and it's, you know, who wasn't getting vaccinated? Well, it was the young, healthy people that don't need to get vaccinated for things like that. The same reason I don't get vaccinated for, for the flu. Because if I get the flu, which happens once every few years or so, uh, I just deal with it. I'm a young, healthy person. Leave the vaccines for the old and the, the feeble and the sick and, and whatever. Those people should be getting vaccinated, not the young, healthy ones. But now all of a sudden, when the young, healthy ones don't want to get vaccinated, well, here's this variant and it's infecting the young people. Just seems a little too convenient for me to get on board with that. And the, the new you know, sort of bullshit line that they're using that is, I think, virtually impossible to prove is that, well, we have this Delta variant because not enough people are getting vaccinated. If everybody had just gotten vaccinated, there wouldn't be this variant. And that is just complete nonsense. There, there are going to be variants. We've talked about this. I've been talking about this on the show for a year before they even came up with this bullshit vaccine that does almost nothing. Okay, There are always going to be variants of viruses like this, regardless of whether or not you have a vaccine. We have all kinds of flu vaccines. Are there different strains of the flu every single fucking year? Yes. This is no different than that. So they're, they're, they're basically trying to pressure Republicans now to get on board with pushing the vaccine because Delta variant and th this is now becoming a political hammer. The, the more, you know, cases are on the rise and the more people die. Now it's now it's not uh, Donald Trump's fault or anything, but it's the, you know, these people that aren't incentivizing and that's in the biggest possible air quotes you can imagine. The, these Republican lawmakers who aren't pushing the vaccines enough on their constituents, they're the reason why that the, the COVID is still going. You know, us Democrats and all of uh, the, the liberal media, the corporate press and everything, we're, we're doing our part. We're, we're telling everybody to get vaccinated. We're, we're talking about punishing them to the, the fullest extent that we can, making their lives as miserable as possible. You need to get on board with that. Otherwise, you're going to have blood on your hands. And that's the, the line of attack that they're taking now. And it seems to be working. There are now more Republicans getting on board, urging supporters to get vaccinated. Now, I seem to remember um, this story that we've been told that these are our representatives in Washington, Republicans, Democrats, these politicians, they're supposed to represent the will of the people, you know, the voters. It's not supposed to be the government telling the people what to do. The, the people are supposed to tell their representatives what they want, and then their so-called representatives go to Washington to get it for them. Isn't that this, this whole like the whole idea behind this bullshit apparatus that we call the government? That we call our precious democracy. They're, they're not supposed to be t like parenting us and telling us what's good for you know what we should be doing for ourselves. When did that become the role of, of politicians? Pushing vaccines, pushing big pharma vaccines. Unsupported. I still can't get over the fact that nobody seems to bring this up. 
that like this is like the biggest fucking boondoggle windfall ever for Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and shit like that. I mean, it's un- they're going to make trillions of dollars off of this. Trillions. And now of course because the um the uh the Delta variant is you know all of these vaccines are not very effective against the Delta variant. Well, now we need booster shots, don't we? Now, now you better go maybe two, three times a year. Get your booster shot. Another, another, another way to add a couple hundred billion dollars to their bottom line. And we'll we'll talk about that here in a in a second. But back to these Republicans who are now capitulating. And it's not that like I don't think they should be urging supporters to to get the vaccine. I don't think they should be urging their supporters to do either or. Why is this? First of all, why is it a political issue? Why would Republicans be urging anybody to get vaccinated or to not get vaccinated? Where in any of these fucking documents they swear an oath to uphold and defend? Where did this come in? Like, what the fuck? What are they doing? Why are they doing? Why are they focusing on this? Who cares? Stay out of it. What happened to the my body, my choice? What happened to get government out of my healthcare decisions? That all just goes out the window if uh, if there's a fever involved and you might cough for a few days. This is unbelievable. Um, but you know the this whole conservatives are are uh, progressives driving the speed limit is uh, certainly on full display here. As these Republicans, you know, you can tell that they're um, they're just completely playing politics with this. They don't want to give the Democrats a weapon to use against them. How even, you know, as ridiculous as that weapon is. So they're, they're now urging people to get vaccinated because, you know, uh, we, we don't want them to be able to say that we were being irresponsible and not urging people to get vaccinated. So let's just take away this one tool that they can hit us over the head with. And then we can, you know, continue to, to do the the typical political theater that you know the uh, we have the debt ceiling coming up as well that it will try to get to it is really something to see just how how spineless politicians really are and whether or not you agree with the the people like urging people to get vaccinated it, it, it's pretty funny to watch them do this 180 you know the Alabama's governor uh, Kay Ivey she changed her tune. She's like the the first one, I guess, to change her tune on vaccination. And uh, I, I think Biden was praising her in a speech or something like that. Mitch McConnell is now on board, urging his uh, Kentuckians to get vaccinated as soon as possible. There, so th- these Republicans, the uh, they are towing the the party line here. They are hopping on the pro vax bandwagon. It'll be interesting to see what happens with DeSantis in Florida. I think he's going to hold firm on this, but we will see. We will see if he's got uh, brass balls or if he's just another one of these spineless pussy politicians. Because he has been emphasizing that this is a personal choice, which is how it should be, which is how any medical decision should be. But yeah, one by one, they seem to be falling like dominoes. They got their marching orders from whoever and uh, yeah. At Arkansas, uh, the governor uh, Hutchinson over there is is like on a tour to start getting people, uh, telling them to get vaccinated. 
because, yeah, the, the line of attack now is to blame Republicans for all of the variants because their supporters are the ones that aren't getting vaccinated, which, as we talked about on previous episodes, isn't even really that true. I mean, there are a lot of inner city um, urban people who no doubt vote Democrat that are not getting vaccinated. Um, there are a lot of minorities, a lot of people in the black community that rightfully don't trust their, their government to give them vaccines. I can't say I blame them. So uh, that that's sort of a, a bullshit uh, line of attack as well. But, but for all the people out there that think, you know, these politicians should be telling their constituents what they should be doing for their own good. Why Why are we stopping at vaccines? I mean, why don't we get to the root of the problem? Because like I said, if you're, if you're healthy and you're not really, really old, this is not that big of a deal for you the vast majority of the time. But if you have, say, diabetes, if you're overweight, then uh, things get more complicated. And I mean, there are all sorts of things that that kill people that we do that that are lifestyle choices. So why don't why are we just stopping it? it back? How about put down the cheeseburger? Maybe uh, we should make sugary drinks illegal. What you know? Maybe uh, you know people who double fist cheeseburgers and and drink two or three big gulps every day. Maybe they shouldn't be allowed to go to the grocery store. I mean, after all, it's for their own good. Maybe they should have to go to like a, a special store. A special segregated store that only has health food for them to buy and get some fucking quinoa and some kale and like a green juice or something like that. I don't know. But why why is it okay for them to urge people to get vaccinated, but it's not okay for them to tell people what other lifestyle choices to make? Hmm? Anybody? Anybody got any thoughts on that? I mean, if they can tell you to get vaccinated because it's for your own good and for the, the health of other people, well, then why can't they tell you to do all sorts of other things that are far, you know, the, all of these underlying conditions are the real problem with this virus. They, they, they try to make this big deal about how like, oh, all the people dying and that are having serious complications are the unvaccinated. Well, uh, okay, uh, let's, uh, let's assume that is true, but it's also all the fucking fat diabetic people and fat old diabetic people that are are the ones dying from this and and people with other underlying conditions and compromised immune systems. So why don't they tell them to stop doing the things that are causing the underlying conditions? Why don't we start segregating those people out and forcing, where's the carrot on the stick for them? And speaking, they probably should be eating fucking carrots. Instead of like a fucking ho-ho on the end of a stick, instead of giving them donuts when they get a vaccine shot, uh, why don't we just start shoving fucking vegetables down their gullet? Oh, I, I guess that would be going too far, right? That would be the government overstepping their bounds, but apparently um, forcing people to get uh, injected with something that even the government's own FDA hasn't really fully approved. That's okay. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Anyway, there are there are some beams of hope in this uh, fucked up world that we are living in right now. Eric Clapton, of all people, has come out and said that he won't play at shows where COVID-19 vaccination proof is required. Er I never, you know, Eric Clapton just kind of strikes me as like sort of a 
as one of these, you know, musicians who would be towing the um, the narrative line, right? He would be the one having the vaccine only concert, and I don't know why I get that impression from him. I just do. But he came out and surprised me on Wednesday and said that he will refuse to perform at venues where proof of vaccination against COVID-19 is required after the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced the introduction of vaccine passports for certain events and, and venues. He said, following the Prime Minister's announcement on the 19th of July, I feel honor bound to make an announcement of my own. I wish to say that I will not perform on any stage where there is a discriminated audience present. Unless there is a provision made for all people to attend, I reserve the right to cancel the show. And this, yeah, this was, uh, you may have, you guys may have heard that the, the UK has been fucking, uh, has been coming out with just crazy, crazy vaccine rules for, for nightclubs and, and bars and stuff like that. It's like you have to have your vaccine passport on you at all, at any time you enter one of these establishments, so you could be put in fucking prison and the owners of the clubs can be fined and, and put in prison. And, and some of the nightclubs, I believe, it was in England where were f- said they were gonna fight this, but I, you know, it could have been it could have been someplace else. There, it, it's happening all over fucking Europe right now. They're uh, they're protesting in Italy over the the rollout of these vaccine passports. Thankfully, there's uh, big demonstrations going on in Australia as well over over these. Um, I, in Australia, they're locking down again because of the Delta variant, and so they're protesting that. Um, and they're getting the shit kicked out of them. Surprise, surprise. The um, the uh, Australians that have been disarmed by their government are now getting the shit kicked out of them. And you have to wonder if that thought is going through their mind because no doubt a lot of these people who have been you know, praising Australia and talking about how great it is because they have this assault weapons ban and they haven't had any like mass shootings ever since – well, now they're they're getting mass beatdowns at the hands of the government for defying the government's orders. But anyway, these um, uh, Clapton apparently had a disastrous experience with the AstraZeneca vaccine, and he blamed propaganda for pushing the two dose experimental vaccine on him. So he took the first jab of AstraZeneca and straight away had severe reactions that lasted ten days. I recovered eventually. And was told it would be 12 weeks before the second one. About six weeks later, I offered, I was offered and took the second shot. But with a little more knowledge of the dangers, needless to say, the reactions were disastrous. My hands and feet were either frozen, numb, or burning, and pretty much useless for two weeks. And, I mean, he's a musician, so that's kind of a big deal, right? I feared I would never play again. I suffer with uh, peripheral neuropathy and should never have gone near the needle, but the propaganda said the vaccine was safe for everyone. Last month, Europe's drug regulator, European Medicines Agency, the EMA apparently, that's uh, how they abbreviate it, identified a rare blood condition known as Vaxzevria, Vaxzevria? As a potential side effect of AstraZeneca's COVID-19 vaccine, it urged those who previously had the capillary leak syndrome against receiving the shot. In April, the vaccine was associated with very rare and potentially lethal cases of blood clotting that come with a low platelet count. Again, you know, I don't want to, you know, overstate how dangerous these vaccines are. I don't think that 
the, the, the case has really been made for that. But there are cases where, you know, you could have severe complications from this. And your odds of having uh, severe complications from COVID-19 could be very, very low. So, like I said, this should be a personal decision for everybody. It should not just be, and this is the problem when you have government, when you have this big centralized government, it's everything is always a one size fits all solution. You know, they have a hammer and everything looks like a nail, and everybody should do the one thing that they think everybody should do. And nothing in life works like that, nothing should work like that. Why should somebody in Alabama be, do, be doing the same thing as somebody in Northern California? Why should they be under the same rule? Why should they have to have the same lifestyle choices? Why should they have to do the same X, Y, and Z? Why should a 12-year-old have to do the same thing as a 65-year-old? Why should somebody with uh, di- diabetes and uh, some cancer or some we- weird blood condition do the same thing a- as a, a healthy 28-year-old? Uh, this this is all ridiculous. This is like I, I don't know if it's just this this need that people have to have a solution, right? And this is like why we have government and why it, it, you know, why we look to govern for everything because they are the ones proposing a solution. And this is the the issue that we have with libertarianism where a lot of times the solution is like, just get the government out of the way. Like we don't have anything to point to. We're, we're, we're saying like, oh, people will take care of it, but we're not holding up this thing. Be like, this is what we're going to do. Here's a bill. Here's a bunch of words on a piece of paper. This is going to solve everything. We're holding up an empty hand over here and saying this problem will take care of itself. And people have a need. They have this gut need to to have like an answer, even if it's the wrong answer, it's like at least it's something and it makes them feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And it can lead to very disastrous results. And look at our current state of our government. But speaking of these vaccines, real quick, because the most vaccinated place on earth, I believe, is in Israel. They've been running some tests on the old jabby jab here. And Israel finds that the Pfizer jab was only 39% effective at stopping the Delta variant. Over the past month, Israel has seen the number of positive COVID tests rise more than 30 times as the number of active infections in the country surpassed 10,000. The Israeli health ministry previously estimated the true efficacy of the Pfizer jab against the Delta variant at only 64%, while still more than 90% effective at preventing serious illness and death, just released new data showing that the Pfizer jab is, is uh, it's still 88% effective at preventing serious illness. It's only 39% effective uh, at uh, preventing infection with the Delta. Now, I I question, I, I, I see all these statistics. I never understand how, how you can prove it's effective at preventing serious illness. Because isn't everybody sort of, they, you know, there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason, at least not that we've figured out, other than having these, a lot of these underlying conditions. But even people with underlying conditions don't necessarily get seriously ill. Sometimes they don't have any symptoms at all. So how do they know that it's actually this effective at preventing serious illness? How do they know they were going to have a serious illness? And since they took the vaccine, 
that that serious illness was mitigated. I I don't know how they prove that. It, that seems like a really tough thing to to do. But anyway, it sounds like, according to Alex uh, Berenson, a former New York Times journalist, that the number is actually the efficacy number of uh, getting infected with the Delta variant is actually probably below 30 percent since the the 40 percent number includes two weeks when the effectiveness was noticeably higher. So uh, and and Bloomberg is also acknowledging that the, the data could be skewed because of the different ways of testing vaccinated groups of people versus those who had, hadn't been inoculated. So there's um, the, the bottom line here is that these these vaccines, well, this virus is not going away. It's not going to be eradicated. It's not like something like polio that you have a vaccine that that can like we can literally get rid of this thing if everybody gets vaccinated all the time. It's not going away. There are going to be different strains and variants. There's going to be like how many fucking does does the Greek alphabet have the same number of uh, letters as the American? Like, but pretty soon we're gonna run out of Greek letters to to name the variants with, because there's just gonna be so many of these things. It, it, it's never going to stop. This is this is here now. This is a, a part of life. We're going to have to adjust to this. Now, maybe that means that you go and you get vaccinated and, and you get uh, your booster shot and all that stuff. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, uh, people people do that with the flu. I don't know. I, I'm not one of those people. But, but this idea that if everybody would just get vaccinated, COVID would mysteriously just vanish from the face of the earth is a fantasy. That is complete bullshit. And they fucking know it. They know it. And, and I don't I still don't understand why people choosing not to get vaccinated is such a big deal, except for the fact that these vaccines don't really work. I mean, people can still get COVID and they can still get sick with the vaccine. That's why they're like everybody get vaccinated, but everybody getting vaccinated isn't gonna isn't gonna do anything because people can still get it with the vaccine. So uh, this just just more and more just stinks of a fucking handout to these huge huge pharma companies. And like I said, it's a thing that the government can point to, being like, here's the solution to this problem, even though it's not really a great solution and it doesn't really do much. You could still get it. You're not going to be as seriously ill. Like I said, I don't know how they actually prove that. But it's something tangible that they can point to, and that makes people feel very, very good inside. Meanwhile, the um, the Washington machine continues to churn along. At alarming rates, we're having just insane amounts of spending. We're coming up against... I can't even say this shit with a straight face anymore. We're coming up against the debt ceiling. Again. And for those of you that have listened to this show for any amount of time, the debt ceiling is just... It's one of my favorite topics to talk about, and I've talked about it several times because it's just such a perfect example of everything that is wrong with government. The original debt ceiling was... uh, it, It was from 1917, and it came about... So after we created the Federal Reserve, right? The initial Federal Reserve Act said that they could not buy government debt. And the, the reason it said that, the reason they had that fear, that was because the Federal Reserve can just create money out of thin air. 
and then they could loan they could buy government treasury bills and treasury bonds to loan money to the government and it was a way of that's what they would call monetizing the debt right so the government just keeps issuing debt and the federal reserve keeps issuing dollars to pay for that debt and so the uh, initial federal reserve act made that illegal but then of course we had an emergency didn't we what happened right after the, the Federal Reserve was created? Well, that was World War I, and Woodrow Wilson had to make the world safe for democracy, and we just had to get involved in this war, didn't we? And how are we going to fund it? Well, that gets a little trickier because we were on a gold standard, and the government just couldn't create fucking money out of thin air. They had to have gold to back up all of the dollars that they created. So they needed a little help from the Federal Reserve, and so they amended the Federal Reserve Act. And like we talk about with the camel's nose under the tent, just because they put all these safeguards in place with whatever the legislation is, you know, they could say, "Oh, um, we're gonna we're gonna put in this spying apparatus," but don't worry, it can never be used on American citizens. And it's like, oh, okay, well, they put these safeguards in place. But yeah, they, Once they get that in place, they can remove the safeguards whenever the fuck they want. They just have to have a little meeting about it, and everybody will be on board. And so in 1917, I believe it was 1917. Don't, don't quote me on that date. But right around the time of World War I is when uh, they got rid of the, the provision in the Federal Reserve Act that said they couldn't buy government debt. And But in order to make sure that the Federal Reserve didn't just go gangbusters with the printing press, they instituted, they imposed the first debt ceiling, okay? The first debt ceiling was $11.5 billion, billion with a B. So they said, okay, we're going to let the Federal Reserve monetize government debt, but we don't want to get crazy with it, right? We don't want to have huge trillion dollar deficits as far as the eye can see and all these unfunded liabilities and uh and a huge uh huge government debt so we're gonna put in a cap we're gonna put a ceiling there 11 and a half billion that's it the government cannot issue more debt than 11 and a half billion dollars but then of course every time we got to the the ceiling that they imposed they just raised it they just raised the ceiling that's why I, I don't like this term debt ceiling. I think they should call it the debt target because it's it's like a target that they're trying to hit and they're really accurate with that. So it's like we put it at eleven and a half billion and then we hit it and so we move it back to like fifteen billion and then they hit that and they move that back to twenty billion and so on and so forth. And between nineteen sixty two and twenty eleven, what is that, like fifty years? Lawmakers increased the debt limit they uh increased the debt ceiling 74 times that's like that's like one and a half times a year <laughs> they, they 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 hit the debt target and they moved it farther away but what they started doing in uh, 2013 was instead of you know ha- like moving coming up with a dollar amount of the debt ceiling and be like, we can't, okay, 10 trillion is the limit. And then as soon as we hit that, it's like, okay, 11 and a half trillion, like a, like half a year later. And, and people are, you know, it keep, it keeps coming up in the news and that's, you know, bad optics. And they don't want to have to keep talking about this because the problem is getting so big that they just want to shove that shit in the corner and not have anybody really talking about it. So in 2013, 
under Barack Obama when they were running. This is like the first time we're running trillion dollar deficits. They, um, instead of instituting like a, a debt ceiling with a number attached to it, they just suspended it. They just said, you know what, we're going to remove the ceiling until like three years from now. And since then, Congress has suspended the debt ceiling three three more times. And we are now, as of, um, well, let's see where we're at. A quick Googles to the national debt clock. And we are at $28.5 trillion and climbing. So we're going to get to $30 trillion, they think, by like October or November, according to the CBO's estimates. And the U.S. government, uh, so the the uh, the debt ceiling suspension, the the most recent one ends on ends at the end of this month on July thirty first. So the government will no longer be able to borrow money unless, of course, you know they always give themselves an out. They impose these extraordinary measures, right? That and they literally call it that extraordinary measures. And without getting into the the nitty gritty details of that. Suffice it to say that it's super shady accounting practices that would get anybody else thrown in prison if they did it with their own business. <laughs> and um, but the government, but that's how the government operates. Like that—that's that, actually I've, I've said that before, and it's in the trailer. Like this is this is criminal what they are doing. And if you tried to do it, they would fucking prosecute you to the full extent of the law. They would throw you in a fucking cage. But. We make exceptions, of course, because they're the government. These are extraordinary measures. I mean, after all, how could we possibly run the country on a measly $30 trillion in debt? But so they're going to employ all of these accounting gimmicks, and they think they might be able to make it to like October or November or something like that. And then, then what happens, you know, then there's going to be like a looming government shutdown and all of this political bullshit posturing and theater. And you're going to see Republicans trying to pretend like they don't want all of this increase in spending. And it's really just, I mean, the, the obvious question here is why, if every time we bump up against this ceiling, we raise it, why even have the fucking debt ceiling? Why go through this whole charade? And I think the main reason is the the political theater aspect of it all. I, like politicians love to be able to use this, especially Republicans, right? Because the Democrats they're they're, they're pretty easy. They they always want to spend money. Republicans uh, want to spend money, but they want to act like they don't want to spend money, and so they always want to get something for raising the debt ceiling. That that's their big thing. It's like, all right, we'll raise it, but you gotta, you know, you gotta spend money on these three things that we want, or you know. And the the Democrats have this big infrastructure spending bill coming up, right? The the Build Back Better, all that shit, right? So the Republicans get to use this now, this looming debt ceiling. It's like, well, we could shut down the government. Or you could take a, a big chunk of that, like $1.9 trillion infrastructure spending and give it to our pet projects over here. And then you're going to get all of these politicians coming out, like I have in the, the opening intro to the show. Raising the debt ceiling doesn't mean that we're taking on more debt. Uh, it just means that we're going to pay our bills. And you'll, uh, Janet Yellen said there'll be catastrophic economic consequences if we fail to raise the debt limit because it's utterly unprecedented for the United States government to default on its obligations. And that that's just a bunch of bullshit. Um, first of all, you don't pay debt. 
and this is this is why I love uh, that that Obama quote is just classic. Like you don't pay off debt by taking on more debt. That's not paying your bills. Okay, it's like if you had a, a Visa credit card and you paid off your Visa with a Mastercard, you didn't just pay your debt. You just shifted it onto another card. So every time they raise the debt limit, nobody is paying their debts. We're just borrowing more money. We're taking on even more debt to pay off the debt that's coming due. But the actual debt is increasing. And the the U.S. government has defaulted on its obligations well before this. I mean, what do you what do you think happened when we went off the gold standard? When you used to be able to take these Federal Reserve notes, these pieces of paper, you used to be able to take those to the Federal Reserve and redeem them for gold on the spot. They would give you, uh, initially it was $20, uh, or $20 for an ounce of gold, and then it was 35 and I think it's, is it 40 now? I forget where, where exactly it's at, but... Um, the, uh, officially the price of, uh, of an ounce of gold is like $40 or something like that. But anyway, they, they went off the gold standard. How is that not a default on your obligations? You used to be able to get 40, uh, an ounce of gold for $40 and now you get jack shit. Now you go in there with $40, they'll give you two twenties or four tens. <laughs> You're not getting any gold. To me, that's a fucking default right there. So they have defaulted on their obligations and every time they devalued, by decree, you know, they went from 20 to 35 to 40 in terms of the, the price of an ounce of gold. That to me would be uh, akin to a default as well. So the U.S. has defaulted on its obligations before, and they're not paying their debt off by raising the debt limit. They're not paying their their cre- their creditors at all. We're, we're just taking on more debt. This is all just a bunch of fucking bullshit. It's political theater. They like to have it to use as a weapon in this, you know, ongoing political match between Democrats and Republicans. But ultimately, the like we like we talked about with Republicans getting on board with pushing the vaccine on their constituents, the conservatives are progressives driving the speed limit. They they all want the same thing. Republicans want to spend money just as badly as the Democrats do. They just want to spend it on their own shit. The most catastrophic thing, of course, would be a government shutdown. I mean, think of the horrors of that, right? They're going to try to scare the, the shit out of you. Oh, if we can't take on another $5 trillion worth of debt, we're going to have to, um, you know, shut down all of these things that you like from the government. You know, you can't go on tours anymore. You can't go to the Washington Monument or something like that. And it, it really is just a stunning admission from them that they are running the world's biggest Ponzi scheme. They're literally saying that if we are not allowed to take on more debt, to borrow more money, then we will not pay the people that we've already borrowed money from. So unless we can find new investors in our Ponzi scheme, the old investors aren't going to get paid off. That is what they're admitting to when they say, if we don't raise the debt ceiling, we, we will default on our obligations, which, which is absolute bullshit, by the way. They don't have to default on anything. They just have to make some actual relatively tough decisions, I guess, if you're a politician. If you're me, they're fucking simple. Just eliminate entire departments. But they would have to cut spending. They would actually have to cut government instead of it increasing it like 10 to 15% constantly every year, year after year. Like a, like a virus, like a mold growing just nonstop 
in a petri dish or something. And the, the, the planet is the petri dish and the government is the mold that just keeps growing and growing and growing. Well, they have plenty of money to, and plenty of tax revenue to pay off the, the, the essential functions and, and things that they actually have to do. Uh, but it's the uh, the other four and a half, five trillion worth of horseshit that they spend uh, all this money on that they would actually have to cut if we turn off the uh, the debt spigots. But make no mistake about it, whether they, they come up with another like fake government shutdown where they, they, they shut down the things that you actually want to see, like tours of the White House, they they're never going to shut down any of the stuff that you don't want them doing especially as libertarians that we don't want them doing. They're always going to have IRS agents to collect their taxes. The NSA is always going to be spying on you. The endless wars will keep raging on. I, you know, we're pulling out of Afghanistan, apparently, but we're still doing, uh, you know, bombings. We're still doing some, uh, you know, strategic carpet bombing of certain targets, I guess. You know, that, that stuff is never going to end. There's always going to be some government agent to shake you down. There's always going to be some cop writing chicken shit tickets for you jaywalking or driving 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. They just won't have the the cops there to do the things that you actually uh, fantasize police doing to, in order to help you. Like I said, they will they will probably spend more money trying to shut down the aspects of government to to try to make it seem like this is the end of the world, you know, like the the tours of uh, the Washington Monument and and things like that. Then uh, it would actually cost to keep them open. And every time they've done this in the past, when they've threatened these shutdowns, there's been groups of people, volunteers, that say that they will keep these places open for free. They, they they will work for free. They they just want people to be able to get tours of the White House and, and be able to see the Washington Monument and all, all that stuff in D.C. And the government refuses to take them up on it. And that should tell you everything that you need to know. Anyway, that's uh, that's what's coming down the pike here. At the end of this month, the, uh, the debt ceiling kicks in and we're going to get to see how full of shit all of these politicians on both sides of the aisle are. And I am going to wrap there for today, guys. Thank you so very much for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Have some fun. Happy Saturday. And thank you to everybody that's been uh, signing up for or uh, subscribing to the YouTube channel. Please continue to do that. There will be uh, undoubtedly some clips of the show up uh, on there in the next couple of days. Thanks to Justin. And um, follow me on Twitter, at Pedal Fiction. And again, if you want to join the private Friday night happy hours, all you have to do is go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com, click on the Support the Show tab, and set up a recurring monthly donation for any denomination that you want. I think it could be for as little as a dollar. If that's what you can contribute, that is a dollar more than I'm getting right now. So that will get you into the Friday Night Happy Hour group, and we can uh, hang out every other Friday for at least uh, at least a couple hours. You know, sometimes, like I said, we've gone really late in the night. It just kind of depends on uh, my schedule, but I will never do less than an hour. I usually go for at least two. I went for about... uh, yeah, a little over two hours yesterday, and I, I really enjoy getting to, to meet you guys and, and you know hear what's going on in your lives and talk about some of these other issues at length, and it's a lot of fun. So consider doing that, and I will consider 
bringing you a new episode on Tuesday. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.